Hey guys, what's up? Matt here. Welcome to the episode of Coffees for Closers. In today's episode, we are going to be focusing on how appointment setters and the sales process can be optimized using NEPQ. So if you're a business owner and or a salesperson or a setter, this is the episode for you for how to maximize and utilize NEPQ in that process. Wonderful. If you listen to this podcast, you will make your first million within three years. We're here to make podcasts. You really want this. You listen and review. Put that coffee down. Did you enjoy the shorter intro? They might have to have. They, they would have, yeah. They have to have. Yeah. We're going to shoot a new intro while you're gone. <laughs> well, I'm gone. Yeah. All right. I'm not sure how, but I want something new. Okay, I'm all about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, NEPQ, or NEPQ as the kids say, Neuro-Emotional Persuasion in Questions, mm-hmm. uh, is a Give me just a little bit of history on that. That's Jeremy through and through, right? Jeremy's thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He started it, um, he had studied human behavior mm-hmm. in university, um, so behavioral science, and then realized that all the sales tactics that he was learning from the quote-unquote sales gurus were basically the opposite Right. So they were designed to counteract human behavior. So it was like, if they, if I do this, they'll do this. If I do this, and then I'll counteract it through this and mm-hmm. counteract it. So it was like quite an adversarial process, which is where you get all the boiler room scenes and mm-hmm. all that stuff where it's like, you know, the guy's like fucking the prospect and doing all that stuff, you okay. know? Yeah, like they're like, wow. yeah, these fucking idiots. And it's because like to sell that old school way, you kind of have to think in that methodology. Adversarially. Yeah, like they're the enemy and you're looking to, you know, you're looking to establish dominance. Yeah, you know, power posing, mm. right? So that's how sales was done for a very long time. And that's the reason why being a salesperson is regarded as, I guess, like a shitty job mm-hmm. by a lot of people. Um, you know, people are like, oh, sales guys. And no, there's not a great connotation. Yeah. You know? The avatar of the sleazy used car salesman is what everyone thinks of, right? Exactly. So... So Jeremy came along and was like, well, there's better ways mm-hmm. and just took a, a, a combination of what he considered really influential people and different sales styles and tactics. And over the course of, you know, 15, 20 years, just kind of had a method that worked fairly ubiquitously across a vast swath of individuals and, and, and sort of industries mm-hmm. to have what's really, I think, is the only uh, cross industry sales methodology that works no matter what you're selling. Okay. Like you can use it in fitness. You can use it in large B2B. You can use it in SaaS sales, oil and gas. Like and we have like clients just from everywhere. I got like, you know, I just did a training session today and it's like dudes selling window dressings. And then the next guy is selling oil and gas CEOs into renewable energies. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know, so it's like, and they're all getting benefit, they're yeah. all getting better results. And that's, what's interesting to me. Like, you know, everybody here, we sell mostly coaching and consulting stuff, right? Yeah. But a guy came in when I very first started, uh, maybe he's watching, hopefully he is, um, from a booze company and gave us a bottle of gin. Uh, I think you weren't here. And uh, he came in and it was like he'd been on a call and he'd got a lot of value and he came in to give us a bottle of the gin that they had. And I was like, man, how do they like transfer the knowledge that like obviously you teach general sales training. Yeah. And it has to cross industries because that's so different. You're not selling gin to individuals. You're selling it to, you know, he's a distributor that's going to bars and clubs and whatever. And it it was quite fascinating to me that somehow he's found so much value in it that he thought it was worth coming in and giving you a bottle of booze. Yeah. Uh, 
that like it, it applies to his industry as well as to every other. And NEPQ, you think, is the only one that really does that? I think so. Like there are, you know, if you have a look at like some of the more established sales training organizations, you've got like Belfort, which is straight line, which I think probably works pretty decently for, I would say, B2B and probably coaching. Mm-hmm. I would say it works all right for, and that's probably a pretty common methodology. You've got some sort of consultative selling, which is like the doctor frame, which is like, hmm. See about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think you should do this, right? That's like Dan Locke's style, mm-hmm. which I think is sort of only re- only relevant to sort of a coaching and consulting type offer. Although I don't think it works particularly well unless you are the personality that can pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got like Sandler, which is like a very traditional but still processed type of selling. But that's really only reserved for like your larger, more corporate SaaS B two B type stuff. Um, so there, to me, there there isn't besides Jeremy's and NEPQ, there isn't a methodology which translates as well across many. And there's not any figureheads of any of those things that have been successful in multiple industries as a sales rep. Yeah. Okay. So you got Belfort, who's obviously tremendously successful at ripping people off. At Securities fraud, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but like to be fair to him, like after that, he was tremendously yeah, successful yeah. at selling because um, he was selling head, uh, um, like forex hedging and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. he was working for Goldman Sachs and a few other really really large corporations and a very very talented salesperson with a sure. very distinct process. But like, out, it's not like he's gone on and sold large fitness programs. Mm-hmm. You know, not that he couldn't, but he hasn't. Um, same thing with like Sandler. I mean, Sandler's dead, but. Um, so, you know, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it. <laughs> I thought it. Uh, you know, you know, fuck it. Uh, uh, so, yeah, like, I don't know what that guy did. He was died a while ago. So, um, and you got Dan Locke, who's kind of just like, I don't know, kind of doing his thing, fucking wearing suits and renting mansions that he pretends to own. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, power to you. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Fake it, you- it till you make it, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take a while. <laughs> so Jeremy is a legit, yeah. you know, superstar when it comes to that stuff. For me, I've been really successful in fitness. Not successful financially because I, I, I was an employee, mm-hmm. but I was a very successful fitness sales rep, like a mm-hmm. very high level one. And in coaching and consulting, been really successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so like outside of that, like you know, I can I can help teach people the principles of how to do things, and I can role play really well when it comes to like window treatments and all that kind of stuff, because I have a good understanding of how to do it, but I've never done it. And I'm very clear on that. Like, sure. I'm, hey, like this is not my wheelhouse. I haven't done it, but this is how I would do it. And a lot of time they go, oh, it's like, it's good. Like yeah. I'm very confident I could be a very high level insurance salesperson. Okay. Right. Because it's a very similar sale to what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Um, anything where like there's a emotional payoff, that's the wheelhouse. Yep. Right. So I think where that comes from, and one, one of the reasons why we're having this podcast, because somebody asked us, in the YouTube comments. So if you want to ask us something, comment down below. Do it. Yeah. Was like, how can I help my appointment setter use any PQ in that process? Mm-hmm. And so you have to look at it as a singular process. You can't look at it as like segments, right? Because the, the person, the way that from a marketing standpoint, there are five things that a prospect has to go through, five hoops they have to jump through in order to be a good fit for a sales process. Mm -hmm. So you've got to figure out where the marketing process ends and where the sales process begins. And it might not be that clear. So you've got unaware, problem aware, solution aware, brand aware, and product aware. Mm 
Okay. Those are the five levels of awareness that most marketers would pretty ubiquitously say are like the steps that somebody would take in order to be like an interested buyer. I remember you saying once that that's a like proprietary thing. Someone in, came up with that and they own those terms. Uh, I think like I learned them from John Benson. Okay. Um, but I, it might predate him. Okay. You know, like it might just be like, that's the... So now it's the industry standard. No one's putting TM after that. Like everybody knows those so. terms and uses them. Yeah. I hope not. Okay. You know, I'm pretty sure it was me. I made it up. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I mean, I'm pretty confident. I mean, we can, yeah. we can say I that. spell product differently. That's how I do it. Yep. <laughs> so uh, those are like the levels of awareness. So they're unaware. They just don't know what's going on. They're problem aware. So it's like, oh, you're aware that, you know, you're not making enough money. That could be it. The solution awareness is like, oh, you're going to do that through getting better at sales. So like I would do that in a way where it's like, hey, sales rep, are you sick of not making enough money? Yeah. Right. That's like I'm making you problem aware. So I'm sales rep. I'm not making any money. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's like solution awareness. Go to the next phase of the marketing, which is like, oh, if you learn this methodology, NEPQ, you can learn to do this, do this, do this, do this. And this is how we, this is a solution to your problem. You're like, oh, sweet. Now there's solution aware. Now during that, it's like now, then there's like a nurture sequence, which makes them brand aware. So it's like, you know, seventh level sales sniper, whatever it may be. Like we are the brand that teaches that solution. And this is the product that we present to you to fix that. Yep. So someone needs to go through those steps. Um, and ideally they go through, most of them, if not all of them, before they even hop on a call, mm. you know? The problem is with a lot of the, like, the coaching consulting industry specifically, um, you know, if you have, like, insurance, for example, they're, they're automatically aware of a lot of it, mm-hmm. you know? So really what you're trying to do is trying to hook them in with product pro- uh, problem and solution quickly. They're probably aware of Merrill Lynch, and they're probably aware of annuities life insurance, right? Yeah. So the the you can have a shorter sales cycle. It's simpler. The reason why B two B takes so long is because you're you're probably creating the problem. I just sold a really I just sold uh, a, a large customer into a B two B deal. Uh, we bought their stuff, and then during the onboarding, I just started probing this guy a little bit. And it was funny. He bought like yesterday, and they were like, "Oh, it's funny." Before we met you, it was like we hadn't even thought about these problems. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Funny that, mm-hmm. right?" <laughs> this you is like were not problem. Aware. Yeah, but that took me five weeks to close. Okay, so because I had to take them from unaware to problem aware to solution aware, yeah, brand aware to product aware. Okay, that's a know? really good point. So that happens at, at at various scales. Some people can be made uh, take through those five steps in a, a single web page funnel. Yeah, and in this instance, because it was more a B two B deal, and you were wor- it, it was you identified the problem, decided to expose it to them, and then take them through the sequence. It's like a five week over the phone email, like I went to their office too. In Melbourne. I flew to Melbourne to meet them. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. So multi channel process to to get them through those five steps. Where sometimes it's it's on a landing page. Here it is. Yeah, and that's probably like a a. A more simple product or a, a you yeah. know, a more easy to advertise, certainly not a, a B2B type thing. Yeah, like we have an SLO, a What's self liquidating okay. offer. So like it's it's uh, it's a seventh level one, like it's twenty seven bucks and it bundles a few things together. That page is super long and there's a lot of uh, psychology behind it. Because it's designed to get like the three or four different types of buyers. So the visual learners, the auditory learners, the people who want uh, bundles the people who need urgency the people you know all these people that need different things like it's all in there but mm-hmm. that like the the ad is designed 
like we do awareness campaigns to create just general problem awareness through like content. Then from there, retarget those people into like advertisements that go specific problem, specific solution, grab them into the funnel. The funnel does the whole thing and they buy on the funnel. Mm -hmm. And from there, we take those people, call them, book them in, upsell them into higher ticket programs, right? Mm -hmm. That's working great. We got 40 sales today. Right. Right. No shit. So um, from that, we had eight bookings, four sales. At 27 bucks, you probably lose money on that, right? No, I have a 5x return of ad spend. Really? So the average cart value is 67 because we have a series of bump sales. Okay. It costs us 12 to make the sale. Right, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's... There you go. So and we're, then, and then we're you're printing m- money, Pat. <laughs> What's wonderful. Yeah. And then you're, you're upselling those people further again after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even then, like the psychology, you can't upsell them too far and you can't give them... We have to give them our middle tier product. We can't pitch anything else because they've been delivered a lot of value in like a bundle. So like mm-hmm. we've oversold the beginning. So then if we only did them to like the next tier product, like it wouldn't be enough to build enough of a gap to get the sale. Sure. But if we tried to take them to our big boy product, like it's, it's they haven't had enough of us yet because mm-hmm. they bought so fast. Okay. So we're dealing with a particular type of person that takes action quickly, you know, but then we deliver them almost too much value. So where then we have to create quite a delicate sales process to where there's like there's a very specific amount of time we have to let them maturate through that process right. and absorb the content before we try and sell them the next thing. It's taken us about three or four months to figure out. Mm-hmm. Like we've made thousands of sales and we've only made about, you know, I haven't upsold that many people until now because we've had to try so many processes to fix that. Mm-hmm. But that's the good thing about like not being in a hurry. Yeah. You know, so, so, but like, let, let's just say, you know, like that question, they're doing a triage and a sales call. Let's just say you're in a typical funnel and you have a shitty marketer or a business owner that doesn't really give too much of a fuck about these phases and all that kind of stuff. You're going to get a lot of people that are just product and problem and solution aware. They're not okay. brand or product, okay. which is like, you'll know that because you get people on a sales call that say, um, who are you guys? Yeah. What am I doing here? And I used to get that all the time. When I was selling like business coaching for tradies. How dare they? You ever hit them with the, don't you know who I am? I know, right? I do these <laughs> days. Yeah. You know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they're just like, yeah, I got a problem. I know someone's well, going to be able to fix it. Yeah. Is it you? Yeah. And it's like the marketing was like vague. It was nine steps to systemize your business. It was an ebook download. Okay. It's like not even really problem aware mm-hmm. or solution. It's like, you have an unsystem, like what are the ramifications of an unsystemized business? Like mm-hmm. we haven't even, you know what I mean? So, okay, so, so tease that out a little bit. So in becoming problem aware, the part of that is like really teasing out the problem and, and the ramifications of not fixing the problem? Yeah, so it, at least mentioning it or like asking about it, you know? So like, you know, are you, it's sort of like uh, if you have a look at like the most verbose and obvious version, it's an infomercial. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to get you through all those stages. Yeah. Are you sick and tired of fumbling over your water bottle? <laughs> well, here's a fucking straw, you dickhead. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, so those they're designed for a specific purpose. So yeah, like yeah. they seem silly to most people, but some people are like, oh, I did spill water on <laughs> You know? Yeah. And like those people are buying the shit out of those metal straws, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so like they're they're going through a purpose, but like as as we progress further down in, in just time in general, like everything has to get more refined. You know, like back in the day, that guy who sold the Statue of Liberty four times, people were just idiots back in the day. Yeah. Man, we go back in the day, we're billionaires in a day. Yeah. Like you just go and be like, hey, da 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 da. 
Da 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 da. I think you know one of the things because. Oh, it's certainly not for this podcast, but you've had my Jesus conversation about what I think happened there. And I think you know, there's no photos, even there's there's very little paintings that people could reasonably do. Like the way that you can hoodwink people, like if you have not personally experienced something, yeah. it's an unknown to you. Yeah. You can't be like, oh, I'm aware of what happens in Europe. Like what's a Europe, right? Like yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you don't even have a clue. Yeah, it's it, so like you know. I think the the more access to information people get, mm. you know, I, I like uh, listened to a podcast the other day, and it was like um, with uh, what's his name, the fucking astrology guy and Joe Rogan. Oh yeah, yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Which I, I, to be honest, I don't really like. I think he just talks Same. for most bloviating bullshit Same. most of the time. Yeah. Um, well, he's been wrong on heaps of stuff, and then <laughs> so and and the way that he delivers things that he's wrong, he, the way that he delivers it is as powerful and as confident as the way that he delivers things that he's right on. So they're yeah. like, wait, there's no way to tell. I hear him talk and I just go, mate, like you don't seem, you sound smart, but I don't like the things that you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> the things you're saying sound dumb, but the way you said it sounds really smart. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I'm sure he's smarter than me, but whatever. Um, so yeah, so he, he was talking and he was like, you know, uh, information doesn't mean like you're wise, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, 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 a, that's a sort of a true point. But like I think the more access to information people get inherently, like the more the more they intake, the better their sort of output is. Yeah. You know? So uh marketing only gets harder. Sales only gets harder. But then people innovate, you know, people jump higher, the NBA gets better, more three pointers show that people yeah. just progress, right? So uh it, it gets more difficult to do those stages. But that's why as salespeople, like you have to have an understanding of marketing. Otherwise you're you're trying to you're trying to kind of wedge square pegs into round holes mm-hmm. because you got people who are here and before you pitch them, you've got to get them to there and further because these people who have done all of these are only appropriate to be in a sales process. They're not appropriate to buy because then they have to go through a whole level of like they have to, they have to build urgency and there's all these other things that have to do to get people to part with money mm-hmm. because parting with money is probably the most painful thing that people mm-hmm. want to do because we've some for some reason just tied all this stuff into a bunch of bullshit ones and zeros in a bank account, mm-hmm. you know, of which I fucking want. Yeah, as right? as possible, <laughs> right? So, you know, like when when I, when I was getting these prospects and I was my own triager, mm-hmm. right? And in my opinion, for that guy who said that, like, unless you're a hyper productive closer, hyper productive, you should never have someone doing your pre calls for you. Okay. Just, it's a bad idea because like they'll never be as good. So it's sort of like, um, but we have that here, right? It, that's mm, yes and on no. most accounts. Yes and no. Okay. So like most guys will do their own triages. We may have some outbound people booking those triage, but it's like a two minute conversation. Okay. You know, it's it's more of a marketing function. Okay. Than it is a sales function. So. Most, no sales guys do their own triages. We used to have it so there was a triage department and I got rid of that because I thought it was stupid. Okay. You know, um, because that's, that's a sales process. And what we found is the most successful people didn't want someone doing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there was a couple people who I had to fire who now have their own thing teaching people how to sell mm-hmm. because they refused to do that because they thought they were good enough, but they were actually like the lowest performer in the group. Right. So I was like, you're fired. So we have, have people doing outbound, but that sales process, like you have to fulfill certain functions. So when I would get people in, 
they were just off a lead magnet. Some of them would book themselves. Then we had like an outbound team doing like two, three minute phone calls, just calling those people just to get them in because the volume of like required for that's too much. Like mm-hmm. uh, that would be like my full time job, just mm-hmm. getting that many people in. So I would get all the 15 minute calls, you know. Then from there, I would try and figure out where they were. And then I had a process in between triage and sales call that I would, that I made. I custom made that process. And that's what we do for all of our clients as sales sniper. Okay. We custom make that process to fill in the gaps the marketing hasn't done. Now, the great thing is we've been able to simplify that since bringing in our own media company because, like, the media company does a really good job of branding. Mm-hmm. And they have a branding assets and they do content and, like, the guys are getting retargeted and – so, like, they're in that trust-building, brand-building, awareness-building phase the whole time throughout it. Yeah, okay. Which pulls pressure off the sales team. So, that's part of the retargeting sequence in that someone's seen the ad, they've clicked it, uh, they're, they're going to have a sales call. Yeah. And in that space between them becoming, you know, I guess, problem-aware and solution-aware, you're automatedly making them brand-aware. Oh, they, they should be seeing testimonials on Facebook, Google, YouTube, Instagram, so that's probably just organically coming through their stuff. Yeah, that's interesting, right? So that's I think what people don't like. You imagine my ad is done. I've got their email, phone number, whatever. The call is going to happen. I put that in the done column and I wait until the call and then I start up again. Yeah, but in reality, you're tapping them along the way, and And you got to take them off all the promo emails. Yeah. And, right. and, and and so they're off the promos, but and then onto put them on the, the brand the, awareness yeah, stuff, the nurture sequence stuff. Like, hey, we had this great win, and all this kind of stuff, right? So you're you're trying to create trust and awareness. So I figured, like, I was getting people; they had no idea who the business was. Mm-hmm. They had no idea why they were there. They didn't. They were like, I don't know. Some lady called me, and I'm on the phone. Okay. I would get that all the time. Okay. I was like, right, <laughs> let's do this. So now I had to create need. I was like, tell me about your business. Mm-hmm. And then they'd sort of walk through and I had a process where I would pull some stuff out and I would just try and pull like one problem that I was like, sweet, that's the problem. Then I would ask them a series of like logistical questions around that to make sure that like we could even help because they were like a brand new business. And anyway, it was only going to work for, you know, like an avatar, mm-hmm. right? So as soon as they're in the box, it's like, okay, cool. Based off what you told me, I think that what we do might work for you. If you want, I can book in for a further call and uh, we can see how we can help. Would that be good for you? Sweet. All right, cool. And I go, okay. And then I booked them in. And I go, all right, I'm going to send you an email. It's a very important email. All right, I need you to read that and reply to me. Please, I'm going to send that to you in about three or four minutes. Is that cool? Perfect. All right, see you then. Send them an email with a homework assignment and specific case studies and testimonials of people in their situation with their problem. Mm. So I had a database of, of problems and people and case studies and videos and like broken down by like what problem we solved, where they're at in business. So I could like go, okay, like, you know, $5 million business struggling with staffing. There we go. This one. I would go, hey, look, I think this guy will resonate with you. And then from there, sometimes I had like funny words in, like in the middle because I'd try and send them a very simple email. And at the end, I'd go, please reply with flamingo penis if you've gotten this email. <laughs> okay. Right? Because yeah. if, I, if I don't receive a reply with flamingo penis, Right? I'm like, hey, man, did you see the email? They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I go, open the email and tell me if you've seen it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they go, ah. You got me. And I go, hey, man, I don't need to take this seriously if you don't. Mm-hmm. I'd say, but I'm here to help. Is this still a priority for you? And yes, so that, Okay, perfect. That's NEPQ. Is it? Because, you know, that seems to me like 
you're, and I know this is something you like to do, is like you're almost, you want those people to be begging for the opportunity to yeah. buy from you. I don't even want them to read the email because then I can push back on them and I can yeah. go, hey man, is this fucking serious for you? Because yeah. we don't have to do the call, it's fine. Yeah. Right, but it's not necessarily NEPQ, but that's a process. Okay. And so that's what's where it kind of ties in. So NEPQ well, When is, you did that though, how many people go, <coughs> nah, mate, I didn't read it. Like, oh, like a bunch. Like yeah. my, my, a lot, lot. And then you say, are you, are you serious about this? And they go, nah, fuck off. Sometimes, and then, sometimes. Yeah. And then what happens then? Do you, do you then have to I kind go. of switch gears? Or no, I go, just, okay. You just go, you just it's fine. Like, yeah. yeah, it's fine. Yeah, okay. Like, you were not going to show up anyway. Like, okay. yes, we all cancel it. Is that cool with you? Okay, perfect. Hey, okay. if you want to reach out to like three months, see if you, yeah. you want to do something about this. You know, so, but it was rare. Like, it wasn't common. Yeah. Most time, most time I go, hey, man, did you get the email? They're like, no. I'm like, hey, man, like, you know, did you open it? Yeah, I did. Are you sure? They're like, ah. Oh. I'd be like, hey, dude, that's an important email. Like, I've sent it specifically for you to give you enough context where our next conversation can actually be productive. Mm -hmm. If you don't have four to five minutes to go through an email over the next two days, maybe this just isn't the right time for you. Mm -hmm. They go, oh, no, no, it is. And I go, okay, cool. Reply to the email within the next 30 minutes or I'll call you again. Okay. And they go, okay. And they reply. And I go, sweet. See you then. Okay. You know, so, but it's about... That's about kind of like taking them through a daddy's year process, mm -hmm. which for that niche worked really well. Now, NEPQ ties on top of that because like that's the logistical journey I'm taking people through and okay. I'm making sure that I'm tying things off. Like I know that they're not aware enough, so I have to do things specifically to create that awareness, which is like case studies, testimonials, trust building. I need time. So I'm going to do a two cold close instead of a one cold close. Like asking people to do a one cold close at the back end of a cold out, you know, it's just like, it's just not enough time, guys. Like, mm -hmm. what are you expecting people to do? Work fucking miracles and Jedi mind trick people into buying shit? Like, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Which is why most of those biz op offers have like a 5% close rate. Right. They just don't take the time. That's why they go like that. Right. Try and outspend themselves, right? So, and that's because, like, lack of nurture sequence is what you mean. That's that's what causes... Well, there's that and a lack of brand. Okay. So, like, if you if you consider... Um, <clears throat> if you consider this, this... This thing is, like, this is all the people who, which I can reasonably sell something to. Mm -hmm. Like, what I have to do is I have to create a circle bigger than that where I'm building an audience mm -hmm. and just building an audience, building an audience, building an audience... With trust and content, I'm not offering those people anything. I'm only offering the core group in the middle stuff because those are the people who have consumed enough, gone through that journey to where it's appropriate to offer them something. Mm -hmm. One, then once I get that circle red hot, then I expand the conversion circle, but then I have to expand my brand circle. Mm -hmm. And so I go through these like concentric circles. And the problem is most businesses, what they do is they have this many people and they just try and crush all the money out of those people and they hit a point to where like their conversion circle is bigger than their brand circle mm -hmm. and that's when like all the cost per acquisitions just start to skyrocket yep. and instead of fixing it through brand they fix it through like media buying buying data uploading dirty data um through like What's that? Like when they buy lists illegally and do black okay. hat marketing you can't do that like your data is your data I can put my data into my businesses and because I've, I've done the work to get that data, but I can't just like grab data off some random Jono, buy it off him for 50 grand and then whack it into my Facebook ads account. Like Facebook will see that and then we'll go, mm, shut down, banned. Yeah. You know? So you can clean it in certain ways, but it's dodgy as fuck, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so basically like then they're in a position to where they're trying to sell things to people who do not know who they are. And so... 
they, all they do is they just to get the same amount of sales, they go like this to the ad spend and they just turn it up, turn it up, turn it up, turn it up, turn it up until they're spending 25,000 bucks a day, right? To make half the sales they were at 5,000 a day. Mm. And that's when the businesses collapse. Okay. And I've been a part of that cycle twice all right. as the sales team. And I knew it was happening. And I told them it was happening, mm-hmm. but it's not my fucking problem. Yeah. Right? I've just, hey, this is what I think's happening. If you'd like to help fix it, I'm happy to help because we're making great money here. But then what I do is I just start warning out the sales team. This has got three to four months left. Make hell where the sun signs, champ. Mm-hmm. And then from there we move on. Yeah. That's happened a few times. But I try and avoid that, but at the time it, 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 it was what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but tying back in NEPQ to that process, which is like, now I've got the logistical process and boxes I need to tick in terms of awareness, which is a technically an emotional journey, but it's also just like, just things I need to see, mm-hmm. things I have to read, right? But then I've got the emotional journey, which is the connection phase, situation phase, problem awareness, solution awareness, you know, there's a parallel there, um, consequence phase, commitment phase, and presentation. So now I have to take them through that sales journey. So now what I've got to do is I've got to figure out where... And where in that logistical sequence of events do I place each part of my sales process? Okay. You know, and that's your sales process. So am I doing a one call? If so, I've got to do them all in one call. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing a two call, I've got to split them up somehow. For me, I like to do connection, situation, problem. Those real nice and quick. That's my triage. Then from there, I do the, I, I recap problem, go straight into solution, consequence, commitment, present, pre- present. What's That's connection? Myself. Connection is like, hey, man, what are you here for? So I just want to get a high-level overview of what it is you're here. So I want to connect with the prospect, okay. and I want to figure out... So it's you connecting with them. It's not yeah. connecting some two variables. Well, but it's also connecting the dots of why you're here. Okay. Like, what are you here for? You know? So like, oh, I'm looking to, you know, make more money through this. Like, oh, okay, cool. You know, that's Go it. Ahead. So it's just very, very high-level stuff. It's sort of like a really high-level goal. Then the situation phase is what are you what are you doing at the moment to achieve the goal? What's the lay of the land? What's the current situation? Mm-hmm. And then the problem awareness is what are the current problems that are stopping you from achieving that goal? And what are some specifics around the problems? Okay. So like sweet. And then we can go into the solution, which is like the logistical and emotional outcomes they're looking for, like specifically, and what an ideal solution looks like for them. Mm-hmm. So it's like I can make sure that like what they want is feasible. Like if I don't sell any one-on-one and they really want one-on-one, I have to address that there and then. And it's like, no, you don't want one-on-one. You want what one-on-one you think you get from that, which is like specific and, you know, all that kind of stuff, attention. And so if I can, then I know that in my presentation, I'll have to mold the fact that I don't have one-on-one as a positive. Yeah. And I'll kind of have to make some shifts there to make sure that I, I don't just go, oh, that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. You know? So, but yeah, so I've got to kind of add that in. So in terms of answering that question, it's like, first of all, if your appointment setter doesn't know any PQ, this is going to be really difficult because you don't want to use like competing sales styles. If you have an appointment setter that's like, hey, motherfucker, what's going on? Like, you know what I mean? Like, just stop being a pussy and fucking gun. Like, that's not, and then you're like, hey, how are you? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not going to land. There's too, too much of a, 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 a clashing of methodologies. Yep. So you, you just, you want to work with your setter, which is why I said, like, I don't like working with, because now it's like, oh, no, I got to train this guy on how to do things. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, which can be annoying. And, you know, it's sort of, you know, like you're running a relay and like, 
you have some dude with one foot running the first leg and you're like, give me that, that. Yeah. And you're like this amazing guy and he keeps fumbling the fucking baton. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like having a bad setter. Mm-hmm. And it's, and so like you're, you're limiting your ability to win the race, but if you're just doing the whole thing, then you know, you can do the whole thing. Yeah. So that's why like, unless you're a super high level closer, like I'm talking, you know, 30, 50, 60 K a month plus type guy with a really high close rate. Um, I, w- I would avoid having someone doing my setting course for me. Yeah. Because then you just got to coach them. Yeah. It's like, how much time are you willing to put into that person? But you did that, right? Like when you were pushing to try and hit that like 100K a month, you were you did have two setters that you then did coach to... to I didn't have it? anyone doing my triage. Oh, right. I okay. did the whole thing. Yeah, right. But okay. I had some outbound people. Uh, okay, that's a difference. Right? So I had an outbound person booking from Lead Magnet. But again, that's like just lots and lots of dials with like a 10 for 15% pickup rate with a two to three minute conversation just to book into a call with me. And then I had someone doing a lot of my follow-up. Right. So they were booking people who I'd spoken to and rebooking them onto my diary. Right. Okay. Again, it's, it's more busy work. Mm-hmm. Like, but my sales process, I, I wanted to kind of control a hundred percent because you can imagine like if your front first line of defense is shitty. Yeah. <sighs> It's all downhill from You're going to lose the war. Yeah. It, That's why we, Special Forces goes in first. Yeah. Because they're yeah. cooler. Yeah. <laughs> Beards and shit. Growing it as you I mean, I, I never had one, but... <laughs> um, you could imagine if I... I, I can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, let me just unpack that two-call close a little bit. So, do, do, do prospects typically know it's a two-call close, like, or it's going to be two calls when the first call's happening? Um, I, I guess it would just depend on how aware the person is in the industry. I think if you're like selling salespeople, I think they fucking know what's going on. Okay. Um, but if you're selling like biz op, they'd have no idea. Yeah. So do you ever find people when you sort of do your connection, um, you know, make them problem aware and then, you know, sort of just kind of wrap it up. Uh, do, you, do you ever get people like, wait, hang on. Um, like, why didn't you try and tell me something? I thought we were like working to a conclusion. Like, does that, do you ever find that you're sort of blue balls anyone where they're like, well, what happened here? We're- Sometimes, but I think, you know, the answer, like I had a, I was on a B2B call the other day for seventh level, which went well. And she was like, she, she came on she's like, what I want to do for the next 15 minutes is this. And she gave me the agenda for the call. Okay. And I just went. Yeah, no worries. I'm more than happy to go through all that with you. But at this stage, like, to be honest, I don't really know anything about you and what you do. So I don't even know if we can help. So if it's okay with you, I can just ask you a few questions and then I can see if, if, I, if, I, if I can even help you. Would that be uh-huh. okay? She goes, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just did my process. And she fell into line. I go, okay, cool. I think I have enough information to kind of go away and compile some stuff. From here, what I'd like to do, if, if, it, if it's okay with you, is we can go ahead and book another call. And in between that call and this call, um, I know that you said that your CEO needs to be involved. So if we can book the call and then try and get them on the diary, that'd be fantastic. If we can't, we can always move the time. Okay. But I'd like to send you some resources and a couple of things to look at, which I think would help you with more context for the next call. And then we can get everyone who needs to be on there and get all the perspectives required. Would that be cool with you? She's like, yeah, for sure. Sounds great. Okay. And so she was a like yeah. sales director from way back trying to bang it in, trying to just get me to do what she wanted to do. But like, I just was like, that's and not you, happening. You got in a OODA loop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we should make a YouTube video on what a OODA loop is. Yeah? Yeah. That Because I, I say it all the time and I'm sure people are watching going, the fuck's an OODA loop? Because well, I'm what pretty is sure it's a full military term. Yeah, yeah. Where you like 
people's decision making process. They have to uh, orientate, observe, decide. Like it's a whole thing. We'll, yeah. we'll do a video on it. If you want to see that video, comment down below. Tell us what a noodle loop is. Yeah, I don't even know how you'd spell it. It's uh, it's an acronym, so it's double O D A loop. Yeah, O O D A. Yeah, Uda loop. Um. Anyway, I was a digger. I don't yeah. Know shit. Yeah. I've data dumped so much. People were like, I started something the other day. They're like, Oh, hey man, how are you? I was like, Good. Yeah. They were like, Oh, we were this. I was like, Yes, yes, I totally know you and everything about the relationship that we once had. <laughs> <laughs> I did the special ops planners course, so um, it's off topic of sales. But when I was at the school, I, I spent two years at the special forces training center, um, and the I got it done in six months. <laughs> <laughs> I was selecting and training others, sir. Uh, I uh, did the SOPS, the SO planning course. So the officers mm. turn up to do that. And Griff put me on it with no rank and didn't tell them I was a Lance Corporal. Amazing. And uh, like I did fine. I did, did, did great. And then afterwards when a couple of them didn't do so well, he was like, you know, that guy's a Lance Corporal. And, <laughs> and all these captains were like, what? Uh. Yeah. But it was good because it kind of set the tone for them. The ones that did come into the unit sort of were like, they had much more respect for their diggers because they realized like, shit, one of these guys who's just one of them, right, did as well as me on the planning course. So they had, they had a, they carried a, that's why I did it. It, it had a great benefit for me. But yeah. the real benefit was for them to realize, oh, these guys aren't idiots. Like yeah, when yeah. they come in, they're like, these guys are as good or better planners than me. Yeah. Um, so something that just sort of I came to understand there with the two call is that that the space between the calls is is uh, the opportunity to prep someone for the second call, but to create the either real customization of the product or the illusion of customization of the product. There you go. Yeah. So you're saying to them, okay, I understand about you. I understand your problem. Let me build for you the correct solution. In the meantime, you're hitting them with brand awareness, all of that, so that when you come on, whether you're just pulling it off the shelf because the product is the product, or you, in a B2B situation, really are coming up with a custom-built solution like we would do here with media, Yeah, uh, that's what's happening in that space so that that's how you end the call. And not just like, thanks, bro, talk to you in two weeks. You're ending it saying, okay, I will come back to you with a solution to your product, to, to your problem. Yeah, and more of a discovery phase so I can, you know, I can I can get the Legos together mm-hmm. and then while we're talking, I'll build the house. Okay. You know, even if it's the, the, the sort of equivalent of me having you taste something sweet and then drink some water. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm telling you, it's sweet. It's sweet, right? <laughs> like, it's so sweet. Yeah. How sweet is it? Yeah, so. Super sweet. Yeah, customization is a... It's probably a, a full topic in itself, making something, uh, I want to say look, because that seems dodgy, but feel. Feel more customized than it may or may not be. Mm-hmm. You know, And there's really a lot of ways to do that. One of them being like having eight to ten different pillars that you can pull from, but only presenting certain ones. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to stop your presentation from being too long and like like logistically overwhelming. Especially if you're selling like, a product that's designed to simplify something. Okay. You can't just like go, well, this is everything we're going to do for you because like you're immediately overwhelming. And your sales process has to reflect that too. So I did some consulting for a business where their entire 
their entire business is helping people simplify their life and be more like succinct, get in flow state, all that kind of stuff. And their pre-sales call process was a 100-question survey. Wow. And it was like, it was intense. And I was like, but man, like, like your people are overwhelmed and overworked and stressed out of their gourd as it is. And your sales process requires them to fill out a 100-question survey. Yeah. Like, that's, like, that's the worst nightmare of yeah. all of your prospects. Yeah. And they had a giant no-show rate, like a real problem with no-shows. And they didn't listen to me, didn't fix it, and the no-show rate only got worse. So to play devil's advocate for them, like it's a shit system, but maybe their idea was that like they truly are customization. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. So you need to sell someone into that and then hit them with the yeah. in order like that this, the You got to eat this big fat one yeah. for like an hour. Like I got, I got the Inc. 5000 uh, people messaged me the other day. They're like, hey, because you're on the awards list, like, would you mind doing a survey for us? And I was like, eh, sure, why not? Um, it was so long, and I got 30 questions in and hit the skip button for a while, and it was over 100. And I emailed them back going, what CEO of a high-growth top Inc. 5000 company has the time, like legit has the time, to fill this shit out? Yeah. May God have mercy on your soul. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone is stupider for having done this. Yeah. If it was like 10, 15 questions, and I get it, man. Like surveys are how businesses get data on their clients. Yeah. It's how they do their marketing, all that kind of stuff. But it was so out of touch as to what like the, because it was only for the CEOs. Yeah. So they sent out 5,000. So like you couldn't things. have delegated anyone else to do that. And like maybe people did and they were just like. Yeah, yeah. You know. Hopefully this puts me in greater stead and they bump me up a few ranks. Yeah. You know, but I was just like, it's so stupid. So people, you got to think about the sales process. Like one of the businesses we used to work with, they were a, not, not the business I was talking about before, but a different one in the U S they were uh, a business coach for tradespeople, And they had a homework that was a hundred questions again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, this is, this is pretty stupid. And they were like, yeah, we agree. And they cut it down to like 20 questions. Then people started actually doing the homework and their sales rate skyrocketed. Yeah. And it was simply because now you're not overwhelming your prospect. Yeah. Because like a tradie doesn't want to do homework. That's why yeah. they didn't go to university. Yeah. Like they went to a trade school because that's their personality. Like they don't want to do paperwork. Yeah. And so like why give them a hundred page piece of homework? It just makes no sense. Yeah. So I think like you got to have a look at the journeys that you're sending people through. And it's like, does this actually make sense? Or am I doing, am I really forcing this in here mm -hmm. just for a specific reason? And is it just some marketing guy said it was a good idea? Yeah. This is how you gather data. And like, okay, man. Hey, somebody said before, he said uh, the pillars. So do you mean that's like the um, the specifics of the offer? Is that what you mean by pillars? It's it's the way in which I present the specifics of the offer. Yeah. So, so if there's, if buying into whatever they're buying, there's 10 cool things they get from it. Give them three. Yeah, so you only tell them about the three, but you might tell everybody about a different three. Yeah. And in I, a different order. Yeah, but the cool thing about that is as well is they come in, they get way more than what they bargained for. So then you have a fantastic client experience during onboarding yeah. and you get referrals. Yeah. Whereas if you're like, this is everything I have and am, they get in and go, oh. Got it. Yeah, it's like sales reps who say they're going to make a certain amount of sales. Mm -hmm. It's a bad idea. You never point at the fence. Because mm -hmm. if, if you go, I'm going to get 10 sales this week. They go, oh, it's amazing, dude. You get nine and I go, 
Why didn't you get ten? <laughs> You've had your whole life to yeah. prepare for this. Whereas if you, you if you say I'm gonna do I'm gonna do four, and then you get nine, I'm like, oh my god, you did nine. Yeah, this is incredible. Yeah. So like, there's no way you win. Yeah. Unless you get eleven, in which case I'm like, oh, well done. You did yeah. one more. Right. <laughs> so, um, expectation management is is a big one, and that's why. But I like doing the pillars because it doesn't overwhelm a lot of people. Like they're very like anxious during the buying uh, mm-hmm. during the buying part. And so they're looking for a reason not to do it, even subconsciously. So like not overwhelming them with information is really important because mm-hmm. then you go, wow, you've given me a lot to think about. Um, I just need to go away. Yeah. And if you've done that, I, I consider that overcooking the pitch. Okay. So, and, and there's probably no coming back from that, right? Because if they say you've given me a lot to think about, I need to go think about it. You can't hit them with the, I need to think about it objection because the 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 objection to that the the fix to that is let me give you more information. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's a very difficult one to come back from. Yeah, how would you? Uh, I mean, I mean, you, obviously you avoid it. But you what you want to? You need to shift. You need to tie back the I need to think about it with like a specific methodology of decision making. Mm-hmm. So you'd go, okay, that makes sense, man. Like you need to think about it. Let me ask a question. Do you feel like? Um, do you feel like, I guess, our decision-making process is affected by our perspective and our outcomes and kind of everything that we sort of perceive in life? Like, yeah, yeah. And I go, and, 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 and just in, in terms of kind of where you're at um, with your business or whatever, like, are you happy with where you're at? And they're always going to say no, right? Because it's the whole point of the call. And I go, okay, so are you happy to allow the decision-making process, which got you to a point to where you're ultimately unhappy, to dictate your life and your results moving forward? Mm-hmm. No. Why not? Sometimes I'll add in a one to ten in there to kind of break it up so it's less transparent. Mm-hmm. So I go, okay, so scale of one to ten, are you happy with where you know stuff like that? Because mm. um, you want to break it up because you don't want it to be in such a logical sequence to where they're like, I know what's happening. Okay, here. that's interesting to me. So you have a, a reason you give a binary yes or no and a scale of one to ten in that like yes or no is more abrupt. You think or and. Give me a scale of one to ten of how you feel about that. Gives them more leeway and allows you to continue the conversation, even if they were potentially going to give you a no when you wanted a yes. Is that the reason you do that? Uh, it's also yes. So the scale of one to ten one's an interesting one. A lot of people do that in, uh, I think, an incorrect way. They go scale of one to ten. Pat, how important is this to you? One. Sweet. How <laughs> <laughs> dare you? Um, but five. Yeah, like a lot of people will be like, okay, like why are you a five and not a seven? Okay. That's how most people do it, right? Okay, so why why are you a five and not a seven? Right? And then you 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 explain, you know, and then from there I can build a gap. I would say, okay, well, five, it's in the middle. It's not bad. Why aren't you a two? Okay, so you go the other way. Yeah. So, because if you play that out. Ah, uh, so we're gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So instead of, which the whole sales industry will go, well, why, why are you not a nine? Mm-hmm. And then I have to explain to you all the reasons why I'm not motivated. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're by saying why are you not a nine, you're trying to pull them to being a nine. But by saying like how come you're not a two, you're kind of like coiling a spring and letting themselves spring themselves up to the nine. Exactly. Yeah. And then from there I'll go they'll explain to me all the reasons and I'll go, Okay, well it sounds like it's somewhat important. So like no bullshit, no ego, no nothing. Like where are you really at? Like like how important is this to you? Mm. And they'll go, Oh yeah, it's pretty important. Mm. I go, Okay, why? So I, I, I do it the opposite way. You know, it's a it's a more effective way of doing it, I think. So take that home, kids. Write that down. If you like that, put it in the comments. Yeah. 
uh, I think we're going to have to wrap it up because uh, we have somewhere to be. Okay. But uh, we bounced around quite a bit. <laughs> we, there was a lot of we answered the question. <laughs> yeah. So in answer to the question about using NEPQ for your setters, yeah. the, the answer is be your own setter. That's if, you, if you're good at NEPQ, don't risk somebody else fucking it up for you. Yeah. Or you got to teach them. And then you have to have... There is one process broken up into parts. You can't overlap the processes or it will be really weird because you'll be asking the same questions twice. Mm -hmm. And then you have to do the whole thing where you're like, now I know you spoke to Pat, Mm -hmm. but I don't like to assume too much. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sorry if I go over things again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you start the script over again and it's like, what was the point of the first call? Okay. Yeah, makes sense. So um, ideally you do the whole process yourself. That's the way to get maximum results. Groovy. Awesome. If you like this kind of content, guys, make sure you like, subscribe, hit notification bell. Maybe tell a friend. Mm. No. <laughs> keep it to yourself. Don't. don't do not tell anybody. Scale of one to ten, why wouldn't you tell someone? Yeah, keep it to yourself. Just keep it under wraps. Yeah, don't tell anyone. Listen to it on low audio. Just yeah. Maybe even use headphones. Yeah. You're my dad. He uh, he puts the phone here and has it on loudspeaker. Yeah. yeah. That's the old man thing. It is. I caught myself doing that one day. I've done it a few times. <laughs> Did I say me or my dad? (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's it. Goodbye. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only.